Good morning. Morning. I welcome you all to our service of worship this morning, both in person and online, and we celebrate God's presence among us as we worship him today. If you're visiting us, we're glad to have you and hope that you will worship with us again in the future. I remind you all to uh, be sure to register your, your attendance with us so we can uh, see who is here with us to celebrate your presence uh, each week with us. Please join me now in a call to worship. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel be glad in its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with victory. As you're able, I invite you to stand for our opening hymn and affirmation of faith.
one heart and voice, we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe believe in God, God, the Father Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Let us pray. Eternal God, your mercies have come to us from the beginning of time and remain with us today. You provide for all of our needs, satisfying our thirst with living water and our hunger with the bread of life. Hear us this day. May our rejoicing resonate in your ears, and may our worship be pleasing to you. Open our hearts to the nourishment that we find in your holy word as it is read and proclaimed. May your message reach our hearts in transformative ways, ways that challenge and convict, and in ways that empower and send. Hear our prayers for those who are experiencing times of anxiety, sleepless nights, and conflicted minds. Grant peace to those who have restless souls, those with strained relationships and with hard decisions to make. Heal the sick, strengthen the weak, comfort the sorrowful, and send friends to the lonely. We seek to live out our calling to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, especially during this service of word and table, that we might be obedient in our daily work and committed to having the mind and heart of our Lord. For it's in his name that we gather and pray, lifting our voices as well to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I invite Joshua Narcisse to come and share with us about church health. Thank you and good morning. Good morning. Um, it is a pleasure to worship with you this morning, and it is a blessing to share about the ministry of healing that church health has been engaged in for now 36 years. Um, At Church Health, I have the pleasure of serving in the role of Director of Spiritual Care. 
And part of that means that my job is to do what I love, which is to gather with people of faith and figure out how we can put our hands together and put our hands to the plow together and make of this world a better reflection of God's kingdom. At Church Health, for 36 years, we have been doing our best to care for the working uninsured, whether that be through medical care, uh, behavioral health services, dental services, optometry, or physical rehabilitation. We have been trying to do our part to be a healing force in the greater Memphis area. One of the things that for me as a believer and as a pastor that helps to keep the mission of church health before me comes from Matthew's gospel. Uh, it's an account that's a few chapters before today's reading in chapter 17 where the, Matthew recounts the story of the transfiguration. And it's in that story that's not about how Jesus is transfigured and Moses and Elijah shows up. For me, that what sticks with me is what Peter says when he sees it. He says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. And then he desires to build some tents, some dwelling places, so they can stay there and capture that moment. So often, that's how we can find ourselves. When we find that level of care and comfort and love and support, it's really good to be here. But we can be so distracted by that mountaintop experience that we forget those folks who are at the bottom of the mountain, like Peter did in that moment. Forgetting those, his fellow disciples that wasn't, that who weren't experiencing that level of care and support and love. Each day that story reminds me what it is that Church Health tries to do. It tries to make sure that that experience of care and utter love and support that Peter experiences there at the top of the mountain is experienced by everyone, no matter where they are. Even if you've just come to this country, if English isn't your first language, if you've been working faithfully day in and day out, but for some reason can't afford healthcare, that is what we try to do, to close that gap and provide high quality, affordable health care for our neighbors who otherwise would go without. That's what gets me up in the morning, and that's what has me here today, in the hopes that you would continue your steadfast partnership with Church Health. For over 36 years, you have been a partner to us, and we pray that you would continue to do that, whether it be through the donating of your time. We are in desperate need of medical volunteers, and a new generation of medical volunteers. The medical community has been incredibly faithful to us, and we don't want to stop now. Or perhaps that's in the donating of your hands and feet, whether it be through helping in our welcome center or coming by to make meals for our food insecure patients. And of course, this work is in desperate need of funding. And so whether it be in dollars and cents, but most importantly and enduringly, we ask for your prayers because this is only possible when people of faith come together and pray to make certain that it's not just good for each of us to be here, but it's good that everyone experience the care that is at the heart of God. Thank you. Thank you, Joshua. All of our gifts, all of our giving is used to support ministries like Church Health and the many other ministries that we offer here in our church. Uh, if you leave a special communion uh, offering on the rail today, that specifically will go to church health. Uh, and I invite the ushers to come as we share all of our resources together to further the life and work of God's kingdom.
As you're able, I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question if you tell me the answer. Then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? And they argued with one another, and if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And, when he, and he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of these two did the will of the father? And they said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of the righteous, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Good morning. The grace and peace of Christ be with you. May I add my welcome to everyone this morning and also to those who are joining us by streaming or by delayed broadcast. We welcome all here this day, those especially who are visiting with us. We pray that today is a blessing for you as your very presence is a blessing to us this day. Thankful for the beautiful flowers on the altar today, celebrating the Boswell's 30th anniversary this week. And we're thankful for those beautiful flowers and the joy that they bring to our sanctuary. We're thankful for our youth choir this day. Thank you all so much for being here and singing in this service. In our scripture today, Jesus entered the temple and was confronted by the chief priest and the elders of the people. Now, before the scripture today, leading up to what we just heard, Matthew has been talking about how Jesus had already entered the temple before. 
And the last time he had been in the temple, he had knocked over the tables of the money changers. In today's scripture, now he's returning to the temple, and the chief priests and the elders are waiting on him. The chief priests and the elders are those in our story who believe that they have it right. And so they asked Jesus, we assume with a bit of indignation, by what authority are you doing all of this? Who gave you this authority? If the chief priests and the elders were not willing to confirm John the Baptist's authority, they were certainly not asking Jesus a question here with pure motives. Their question is revealing their hypocrisy. They certainly are revealing that they have no intention whatsoever of, in their minds, granting authority to Jesus. And in so doing, what they're, what they're insinuating is that they have a special authority for themselves that has come from above. And had they weighed his miracles and the power by which he had wrought them, they wouldn't have needed to ask that question. Instead, they're trying to raise themselves by lowering him. Where do you get this authority? Today, they would say, produce your certificate. Show us your diploma. What school did you come from? In the pretense of their own power, as chief priests and elders, they thought they were authorized to call him to an account in this manner. So they asked with a bit of arrogance, intimating that he could have no authority because they had not granted him any. Have you ever noticed how the greatest abusers of power tend to be the ones who assert it the most? and to take a, a pride and pleasure in anything that looks like the exercise of it. The purpose of their question, of course, was to ensnare him and to entangle him. If Jesus refused to answer the question, they would condemn him, insinuating to the people that his silence was a tacit confession of himself to be a false prophet. If he answered that the authority was from God that he was exercising, they would accuse him of blasphemy. And Jesus said to them in the scripture we hear today, I will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Notice how Jesus in the scriptures hardly ever directly answers a question that's posed to him from opponents. Rather, he wisely reframes the question. The Lord does not allow people in the scriptures, his opponents, to box him in. And the Lord does not allow any generation at any time to box him in. The Lord is in control, not the questioner. Jesus said, did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they argued and they said, if we say from heaven, he will say, why didn't you believe in him? And if we say of human, then the crowds will be angry with us. We don't know, they said. 
Neither, Jesus said, will I tell you by what authority I did these things. Then Jesus goes further. He tells a parable involving someone receiving a charge from above. What do you think? The man had two sons, he said. He went to the first and said, go work in the vineyard. And he said, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. He went to the second and said the same, and he said, I'll go. But he didn't. So which of the two did the will of the Father? And they said, the first who went. Jesus said, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are going into the kingdom ahead of you. John came to you in a way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. The tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And after you saw it, you didn't change your minds and believe him. In another place, Jesus once told the disciples and the crowds who were listening, let your yes be your yes, and your no be your no. Anything else is from the devil. Because our words should mean something. And our words mean nothing, even the weightiest words we have, if they're not backed up with action. In our story today, as you were listening to it, where did you see yourself? Are you one of the two sons going into the vineyard or answering their father? Are you one of the disciples in the story? Are you one of the sinners that Jesus is talking about? Are you someone in the crowd watching this scene? Are, are you one of the religious people? I often find myself in several places in this parable. As a parent of two children, I can relate to the father in the parable and to the challenges of childhood disobedience. I'm reminded of the mother whose young son pitched an embarrassing fit whenever she said no to him. So after an especially trying day, she finally flung up her hands and shouted, all right, Billy, do whatever you want to do. Let me see you try to disobey that. As a human being, I can relate to both of the sons in obeying and in disobeying. Having been a sinner in my life, I could certainly recognize myself in the sinners that Jesus spoke about. Being a leader in the church, it frightens me to see myself as one of the chief priests or elders. The reality is this parable, like so many parables of Jesus, continues to challenge each and every one of us at different levels. And in so doing, we recognize some important truths in this scripture today, some lessons we learn in the vineyard. And the first lesson is this, actions speak louder than words. We do what we believe. Want to know what someone believes? Watch what they do. If you have friends and they say one thing when you talk to them, but when you're around them they act in another, then you begin to doubt their words. 
A business can have slick advertisements which bring people in the door, but if customer service is not good, the business eventually is going to fail. A coach can promise to win games, but a few losses will overshadow the promises, right? Even though they had originally said no to God, Jesus is pointing out that some of the prostitutes and tax collectors had begun to listen to John and obey God, and they were receiving the kingdom of heaven. Their yes to God was showing fruit. Their lives were being changed by God's kingdom. Now, if there's someone here today who has told God no, there's still time for you right now, like that first son, to change your mind and go into the vineyard. Knowing that if you go, if you repent and believe in the Lamb of God that John proclaimed, you too will receive the kingdom of God. A second lesson we learn in the vineyard is this. Obedience is tantamount to faith. Roger Stallback, the Hall of Fame quarterback who led the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl in 71 season, led them to a couple other Super Bowls, admitted that being a star quarterback who didn't call his own plays was very difficult for him. He happened to have a coach who was also in the Hall of Fame, Tom Landry, who chose to send in every play. Coach Landry told Roger when to pass and when to run. Only in very certain situations could Stahlbach change the play. And even though Stahlbach considered Coach Landry have a genius football mind, he still had pride in him, and he felt like it should be his call to, to run his own team and to call the plays. And Stahlbach later admitted this. He, this is his quote. I faced up to the issue of obedience, he said. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. Obedience is tantamount to faith we learn in the vineyard today in the scripture. And we learn this, that religion without action is worthless. Pharisees, chief priests, elders were very good at having the appearance of righteousness. But not all of them could find the way to follow the spirit of the law. They were so focused on being outwardly righteous that they couldn't even rejoice when obvious sinners repented. What, what good is faith if we can't rejoice when people come to Christ? That's a belief that says God is just for me, not for you. That's a belief that won't be shared. To use an old hunter saying, that's a dog that won't hunt. That's why James wrote in the scripture, even faith, if it has not works, is dead in itself. Religion without work is meaningless. Outward appearance without a spirit is dead. I heard a funny story of a young preacher who was asked to do a funeral for a homeless man in a small rural area. The burial was going to be in a field out in the country, and he got lost, and by the time he arrived, he saw a hole in the ground and diggers around, 
eating their lunch sitting by the backhoe. Evidently, the funeral home folks had already left because he was late and had got tired of waiting on him. So he was wondering if the body was already in the grave, and he walked up and he saw a vault there. So he began to do the liturgy and say the prayers. And the worker stopped eating and even said amen at the conclusion. And as the preacher walked away, he heard one of the workers say, I have never in all of my years seen a prayer over a septic tank. Religion without good works is as valuable as a funeral for a septic tank. <laughs> Jesus refused to answer the question about his authority unless the chief priests and elders answered his question about the authority of John the Baptist. They were trying to trap him. And then by their own answer to his question, they judged themselves. In their judgment of someone else, they pronounced themselves unfaithful. We learn lessons in the vineyard, that actions speak louder than words, that obedience is needed for faith, and that religion without action is worthless. Let me ask you this. Which son did the father love more? The one who said yes or the one who said no? I believed he loved them both. And he wanted both to be obedient. He wanted both to experience the vineyard. For Scripture reminds us that the Lord wants none to perish and all to live. As I said earlier, maybe you've said no to the Father. There's always time to repent. And there's still work available in the vineyard. More likely, more likely you're here today and at some point in your life, maybe here at the altar, you've said yes to God then pray that you might be faithful to your word in the vineyard of this world. For your sake, yes, but also for the sake of the world and for the sake of the kingdom. We come to a table which is by invitation from the Christ of the vineyard. May all of us say yes to the one who said yes to the Father and who, by inviting us all to come, is saying yes to you and me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. 
Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. When your people were in the wilderness and overcome with thirst, you gave them water, even though their faith was weak. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join this unending hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. He did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. By the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the great mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world, the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at the heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The bread that we break this morning is a sharing in the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. All right, those who will assist to please come. This morning we will be receiving by a method called intinction. You will receive a wafer, dip it into the cup, and, and consume both elements at the same time. You're welcome to kneel in prayer at the, center, uh, at the altar rail or return to your seats. You'll simply come from the back uh, center aisle, return by the side aisles.
be served where they're seated. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Help us to be the same mind as Christ who gave himself for our sins. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our final hymn is found on 396, So Jesus, I Have Promised. As you are able, will you please stand as we sing the first and last stanzas. Can you hear me now? <laughs> uh, 
My name is Mary Grow, and I'm the Director of Adult Education and Membership, and it's my pleasure this morning to welcome two new couples, two new families into Germantown United Methodist Church. Uh, this is Elise and Michael Aragonis, and they have with them Marin, and they are joining by transfer of their membership from Severna Park United Methodist Church in Severna Park, Maryland. And here I have Russ and Leanne Olson, and they're joining by transfer of their membership from a sister United Methodist Church in the Memphis area. Their welcome friends are Clayton and June Dark, and the Aragonis welcome friend is Natalie Cathcart. <laughs> is it on? There we go. If you'll turn in this direction. Leanne and Russ and uh, Elise and Michael, we're so grateful to have you all in, in this decision that you're making to join in membership here at Germantown United Methodist Church. We're honored that you've made this decision, and we're certainly thankful that the Lord has led you to this decision, and we look forward in the years to come to serving the Lord together with you. And so as we ask everyone who joins the membership of the church, we ask you first, do you reaffirm your faith in Christ and the vows made at your baptism? And if so, will you say, I do? I do. And then one other question, and that is, will you be faithful to this congregation, the United Methodist Church, and support it with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? And if so, will you say, I do? I do. Then we welcome you into the membership of the church, and God bless you in your decision. And we'll ask you to remain here following the benediction. Thank you to our sponsors. And uh, we will ask you to remain here. I know folks will want to come and greet you and welcome you into the church. God bless you. Receive now this benediction. You may stand as you're able. May the love, mercy, and grace of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.
Thanks for this.